0: Chapter Seventeen of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen True Father. Now anybody may suppose, who looks at things too sensibly, that true love never yet has chosen time and place more foolishly for coming to grand issue and obtaining pledge forever. The sour faced woman might have returned in the crisis of our doings or the two young tyrants might have broken forth and made sport of us from the parlor. Whether we knew these things or not, we never gave a thought to them. All we thought of was one another, and the rest might think what they liked of us. This is not a large way to look at things, and yet once in a life the largest. My kitty, as I called her now, and have never since wanted any other name, was the first, as behooved the more sensitive one, to bring common sense to bear on us. You must come and see my father, dear, she whispered with her hands in mine. I am sure that he loves me all he can, and if you have quite made up your mind that you cannot do without me, we may trust him to make the best of it, for he always makes the best of things. Show me where he is, I answered, scarcely yet believing that my fortune was so glorious. While she looked at me as only one in the world can ever look at us, I fear that he will be sadly vexed, but he is kind to one. He will not be vexed on his own account, nor yet on mine, she answered very quietly. But nobody knows what he has to bear. Let us go to him while he is by himself. There is someone coming. We must be quick. We hastened down the long stone passage just in time to escape the servant who had found her mistress, and after passing several doors we came to one with an iron bar and iron rails in front of it. See how he has to protect himself. If somebody knew that I have this key, it would very soon be torn from me. I dare say you are surprised. Such things are not done down at Sunbury. How I love that quiet place. And you shall live there all your life, I answered as we passed the barrier. No one shall dare to insult you there. You shall be the queen, the queen of all, and you know who will be your slave of slaves.' That is all very fine talk, she said. I believe it is the usual style at first and then we come to Brahma, locks and cold iron. But her smile as she put her hand on my shoulder proved that her own heart taught her better. Let me go in first and see what he is doing. Oh, Kit, you have taken advantage enough. What right have you to say that it is your last chance? I am sure I hope not. Oh, how mean of you to turn my own words against me Now have a little reason. Yes, 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 for the fiftieth time at least in five minutes. I love you and never will have anybody else. Now let me go in first. Sometimes he is too busy for even me to interrupt him. Much against my will I let her go, for half an hour later would have done as well according to my judgment, and after securing the fence behind us, which had wholly escaped my attention, she knocked at the door of the inner room, and without being answered opened it. Her father was sitting with his back to us, so intent upon some small object that he did not hear our footsteps, some instrument made of brass and glass, but quite unlike a microscope was in his left hand, and with the other he was slowly revolving something. The appearance of the room amazed me, with its vast multitude of things unknown to me by the name or shape "'but all looking full of polished mischief "'and poisonous intelligence. "'This is why my kitty weeps "'and is starved and crushed by female dragons,' "'I said to myself in bitter mood, "'and even the professor's grand calm head "'and sweet scientific attitude "'did not arouse the reverence "'which a stranger would have felt for him. "'His daughter touched, "'as lightly as a frond of fern might touch it, "'one of his wavering silver locks "'and waited with a smile for him to turn.' but I saw that her bosom trembled with a sigh of deeper birth than smiles. Then he turned and looked at her and knew from the eyes that were so like his own and yet so deeply different that she had something he must hear. You have been crying again, my child, he said as he kissed her forehead. They promised me you should be happy now. Yes, if I let them do what they like. Father, you have no idea what it is. I am never allowed to see you alone except by stealth and at fearful risk. Father, come out of philosophy and science and attend to your own child. But, my dear, I do. It is a very thing that is in my mind continually. I spoke very strongly not a week ago, and received a solemn promise that you should have new clothes, and diet the same as the rest, and everything I could think of for your good. How many times have they promised it, Father? Then I am beaten and put on bread and water for having dared to complain to you, but all that is a trifle, a thing soon over. I must expect that sort of thing because I have no mother, but, Father, what they are trying to do to me is ten times worse than ragged clothes or starvation or bodily punishment. They want me to marry a man I detest, an old man and a bad one. My dear, I have promised you and— you know that you can rely on my promises that you shall not even be allowed to marry a man of doubtful character. I have not been able, my darling Kitty, to do everything I should have liked for you. But one thing is certain. If inquiries prove that this gentleman, I forget his name, is a man of bad life and unkind nature, you shall have nothing to do with him. You know how little I am able to go into what is called society, and most of my friends are men of my own tastes but I have taken particular trouble at the loss of much important time to ascertain whether your opinion of this person is correct. He is wealthy and of good family, I am told, though that is merely a secondary point. He is likely to have outlived youthful follies, and the difference of age is in your favor, but not in his, interrupted Kitty with a smile for which I could have kissed her fifty times. It was so natural and simple. "'yet sagacious. "'You are flippant, my dear, "'in spite of all your troubles,' "'continued her father, smiling also. "'No length of discipline "'has entirely tamed you, "'and now I will tell you "'why I am so anxious "'that you should have a settled home "'and someone to take care of you "'as soon as can be suitably arranged. "'I am likely to leave England "'on a roving expedition, "'for how long a time "'is as yet uncertain. "'It may be for a 12 or even more, possibly for two years, and all that time where will you be, my darling child? I know that you are not happy now, though my object in making this second arrangement was mainly to have you protected and cared for, but things have not turned out exactly as I hoped, and I fear that in my absence they may grow still worse. When I heard that this gentleman was strongly attached to you and wished you to become his wife this winter— I hoped that I might be of some little service to the cause of knowledge without any neglect of my duty to you. And I may tell you, my child, that through a long course of rather extravagant habits, which I have failed to check, it has become of great importance to me, so far as mere money goes, which is not much, to accept the appointment which was offered me. I am often deeply grieved at your condition and do my very utmost to improve it, but I am not always allowed, as you know, my dear, and are very sweet and patient with me. I am not always allowed to have my own way. Don't put it so, Papa. That is not half the truth. Say that you never have been allowed, never are and never will be, to have so much as a barleycorn of your own way. Young people put things in too strong a light, the man of science answered gently. But we will not go into that question now. "'Only you will see, my dear, from what I have said, "'why I am so anxious that you should be settled "'in a happy and peaceful home of your own, "'far away from all those who worry you. "'This gentleman offers you a wealthy home, "'but knowing your nature I do not insist on that. "'Indeed I should be quite satisfied "'with a very humble home for my darling, "'if it were a happy one.' "'Very well, Papa, nothing could be nicer.' "'Can I please you now exactly and meet all your wishes, "'though I cannot bear to hear of your leaving me so long? "'But you will not leave me to the tender mercies.' "'Here my kitty beckoned to me to come forward, "'which I had been long most eager to do, "'but in obedience to her signals had remained by the door "'and behind a tall case of some wheel within wheelwork, "'almost as complex as human motives. "'Father?' "'You see that you need not leave me to tender mercies of anybody "'except this gentleman, who saved my life at Sunbury, as you know, "'and wishes to make it a part of his own for the rest of it.' "'Captain Fairthorne looked at me with extreme surprise. "'My idea of his character was that nothing upon or below the earth "'could surprise him, but he had his glasses on, "'and these always seemed to me to trouble the marks of astonishment "'in the eyes that stand behind them.' In deference to his large intellect and frame and great, though inactive, nobility of nature, I waited for him to begin, though I am sure, now I come to think of it, that he would have been glad for me to take the move. Kitty, he said at last with some relief at not having to fall upon me yet, I should like to know a little more of this story. I remember this young man very well, but his name has escaped me for the moment." You will not think me rude. It is one of the many penalties we pay for undue devotion to our own little subjects. If he had been a zoophyte, or a proboscidean, or even one of the constituents, if he had been a zoophyte, Papa, or anything else with a very big name and a very little meaning, Miss Fairthong exclaimed in reproachful tones, Where should I be now, at the bottom of the Thames, and perhaps you would enjoy dredging for me? "'In spite of all training she has a temper,' the father addressed this remark to me. "'Also she has a deep sense of gratitude, "'a feeling we find the more largely developed the further we travel from the human order. "'But, my dear, you allow yourself vague discursions. "'In a matter like this you have brought before me my desire is always to be practical. "'That great and original investigator, to whom we owe not only knowledge, "'but what is even more important—' THE ONLY TRUE COURSE, BY WHICH TO ARRIVE. MY DEAR FATHER, IF YOU ONCE BEGIN ON THAT, THE KNOWLEDGE WE WANT AND A QUICK COURSE TO IT IS WHETHER YOU WILL BE SO GOOD AND SO KIND AS TO MAKE US BOTH HAPPY BY YOUR CONSENT. THIS GENTLEMAN LOVES ME AND I LOVE HIM. HE IS NOT WEALTHY, BUT HE IS GOOD. YOU MAY LEAVE ME IN HIS CARE WITHOUT A DOUBT. I HAVE NOT KNOWN HIM LONG, BUT I KNOW HIM AS TRULY AS IF WE HAD BEEN BROUGHT UP TOGETHER. THE ONLY FAULT HE HAS IS THAT HE CANNOT PRAISE HIMSELF, AND HIS REVERENCE FOR YOU IS SO STRONG AND DEEP THAT IT MAKES HIM MORE DIFFIDENT THAN EVER. YOU ARE DREADFULLY DIFFIDENT YOURSELF, PAPA. YOU KNOW YOU ARE, AND IT MAKES ME SO DESPERATE OF ALL boastful PEOPLE. NOW FULLY UNDERSTAND THAT I WON'T HAVE THAT HORRIBLE OLD SIR Cumbrous HOTCHPOT, AND I WILL HAVE THIS KIT ORCHARDSON, THAT IS TO SAY, WITH YOUR LEAVE, FATHER." "'And you owe me something, I should think, after all, "'but I have no right to speak of that. "'Only if you don't give it, mind, I'll—' "'As a sample of what she would do, "'she began to sob deeply, and I caught her in my arms. "'You see, sir,' I said, "'Oh, don't, my darling, your father is the kindest man in the world, "'and he would never have the heart to make you unhappy. "'You see, sir, how good she is.' and how simple and ready to be satisfied even with me. I'm a poor man, and I have my way to make, but with her I could make it to, to, I was going to say to heaven, but substituted, the top of the tree, and we have a pretty place, where she would be happy as the day is long, and if I don't protect her and cherish her and worship her and keep her as the apple of my eye, I hope you will take me by the neck, Captain Fairthorne, and put me under this air-pump. "'How do you know that is an air-pump?' he asked with admiration of my cleverness. "'By the look, sir,' I replied, "'I have seen them before.' "'Well, then, it isn't. "'Neither does it much resemble one. "'Kitty, you see what his diffidence is, "'and another proof, I suppose, is that he has fallen in love with you?' "'Yes,' said my darling, with a smile so humble and loving and confiding "'that my eyes grew moist.' "'and her father could not see through his spectacles. "'It is sure proof of his diffidence, "'for he deserves to have a better wife than I shall ever be, "'although I will do my best to please him.' "'Well, after that,' replied Captain Fairthorne, "'it seems to me that my opinion matters very little. "'You appear to have made up your minds, "'and your minds appear to have been made for one another. "'I am wholly unable to withstand such facts.' Of course I shall make my inquiries, Master Kit. But so far as I can see at present, I will not deny you what you have won. If she is half as good to her husband as she always has been to her father, you will be a happy man, God willing. There, kiss me, my pretty dear, and don't cry any more till he makes you. End of chapter 17